Mongrel Podcast 29, Mrs. Mongrel. 29. That's over half a year. This feels unfair. Because? I thought it would be a couple. A couple of weeks and I'd can it just because yeah. that's enough. I'm sure many people feel the same after about 28 weeks of it. They're like, why doesn't this bloke just can it? It's freaking terrible. But it's a semi-final week this week. Just gone. And uh, I can just sense the excitement from you. There's been some big stories coming out of this week. But the biggest story of all was that you were so distressed by the Saints' loss that you promised to make some scones and then you reneged on the deal. Oh my God. I did not renege on the deal. Revisionist history. I said, I think I might make some scones. Do you want to help me? And you said, no. Well, I didn't. (laughs) And so I was like, oh, okay. And then you decided it was because you were being good and... Well, trying you, not to eat crap, so... For all our listeners out there, Mrs. Mungrel, earlier this week... Was it this week? Gee, it seems like... Last week. Last week? You sure it was last week? Yeah. Anyway, you insisted that I uh, start some personal training. And uh, <laughs> this has been an unmitigated disaster in terms of me being unable to climb the stairs days after a workout. I, I'm just so shot. It's incredible. I, I'm not criticising the aerobic ability or the input of any AFL players from now on, given I'm having trouble getting out of a chair at the moment. So It was pretty great. He lasted for 15 minutes the first time. About 14 more than I thought. <laughs> and we're talking about the gym or... <laughs> or no. Yes? The second time... No comment. 20, 26 minutes. That's true. That's true. All right. They're only half an hour sessions. I'm back there tomorrow, guys, so if you don't hear from me, uh, contact the local cardiac ward and um, <laughs> send flowers or money. And money. Both. I'll take Not them. chocolates. So emotions running high this week. A lot of people very, very angry about uh, the Tigers. You don't have anything to add about this? Well, people are always angry about the Tigers. You're not they? the biggest Tiger fan, are you? No. No, and particularly of Tom Lynch. That's fair. Yes. Well, I initially thought Tom Lynch was a big risk for them to take. I wasn't sure it was the right move for recruiting him a couple of years ago. And I actually wrote an article last last year apologising about that because he's been fantastic for them. And irrespective of the way you feel about him, I reckon he was the difference in this game against St Kilda on the weekend. The way he attacked the contest... Uh, he just r- smashed into people fairly initially and uh, sent a guy named Ben Payton off, Ben Patton, with blood streaming out of his head in the first few minutes. Absolutely knocked him into the middle of next week in a contest. Laid big tackles. That usually gets a bit of a smile from you when we talk about big tackle. It's true. Not in regard to St Kilda, however. <laughs> and uh, look, he took contested marks, did everything right except kick for goal well. But the thing is... At one point, he was he got tangled up with our man Dougal Howard, and in getting up, he placed his knee, placed it, didn't drop it on him like a knee drop. No, no, um, Ric Flair move here. This was almost like if there was a fly on his knee, and he knelt on his chest, the fly would have basically just brushed it off and flew away. There was no pressure here. Dougal Howard didn't even react didn't remonstrate, didn't do anything, just basically got up and kept playing. So people were outraged. It was outrage, Twitter outrage, as you'd expect. You love Twitter outrage. That's the only sort of outrage there is now. People have this instant voice to yell and scream in a virtual setting, and they just basically go to town. They're calling him a thug. There was a petition. I don't know. I showed you this, didn't I? There was a petition. People have started on change.org. And it says, don't give Lynch a premiership medal if the Tigers win the flag. Now, one petty person starting a petition like this is like, okay, there's someone who obviously feels that Tom Lynch is the worst person in the world. Let's start a petition. But at at the time of recording, he said 378 people joined him campaigning for him to not get a premiership medal. They haven't even made the grand final yet. I feel like you don't understand how many crazy people there are in Australia. (laughs) Things are getting crazier. I'm starting to teeter on the edge as it is. Well, well another four weeks of lockdown, who knows what will happen. But um, yeah. Not a lot. 
I'd imagine. So, yeah, I'll just go to sleep, <laughs> I think. So, um, look, we'll have a look at whether the Tigers are thugs. I'm obviously not of that opinion. You, I think you could be swayed that easily. We'll have a look where the Saints went wrong. A couple of areas where they definitely went wrong there. You're shaking your head. I think they were robbed. I think it was bad umpiring <laughs> and also conspiracy. Right, we should point out at the moment that Mrs. Mungle didn't really watch the game <laughs> at all. I, I didn't watch any of it, but it doesn't matter. And we'll also have a look at what the hell happened to Collingwood. They just didn't show up, but we'll get into that a bit later on. And we've got the Cats. Can they actually make it past the prelim into the big one? First time in a long while. I think 2011 was the last time they made it. And they've lost four prelim finals since. So now they're going against Port Adelaide. And uh, a lot could happen in the coming week. Well, probably will happen. But first, Tigers and Saints, how are you feeling about it all? I mean, I think we know that the Tigers cheated, and also Dusty is probably deserving of an arrest. He didn't do anything for... wrong at all. I don't know many players, though. I'm I'm really grasping at straws here. <laughs> and um, Basha Hooley. I might just arrest he him should, as well. No, he should probably be... Um... Knighted? Yeah, maybe. I like him a He's lot. a nice guy. Yeah. Thanked his mum after yeah, see, it. Yeah, see, it's so cute. He's see, so that's cute. all I have to do with you is to say, well... <laughs> Hey, Mum, I love you. And you're like, oh, best guy ever. Or Grandma, you know. Yeah. You even like Dusty because he likes his dad. Oh, yeah, I do. Okay, I take back the arrest comment. I do like him. Well, he's probably close to being arrested a few times Maybe in Lynch. his life. Lynch? Yeah. Well. Cochin. So Cochin decided to tackle a bloke named Zach Jones after a free kick had been paid to St Kilda already. So Jack Billings got a free kick. The ball kind of rolled to to Zach Jones and Cochin just basically grabbed him around the neck and threw him to the ground what for? why not? it's there why do you climb a mountain? because it's there <laughs> so look it wasn't the nicest act in the world but the way people have been talking about it it's as though he pulled out a gun and shot him on the on the field he carries around a lot of hair he should be given like a little bit well, of leeway Zach, Zach Jones has drama. none so it's almost a bit of uh, you know the haves and the have nots wow a bit of FU yeah to the yeah. baldies bad luck baldy he or the other way around. For the, yeah, bad luck to the hair bears. Well, to the have neck problems from all for, that hair. For context, I've let my hair grow for the entire lockdown. Uh-huh. It's sticking out all over the place mm-hmm. at the moment. And um, yep. my head's starting to feel a bit heavy. You look great. Nah, I love that's it. A lie. I think it's amazing. That's a lie. Mm. So I was looking at this and Trent Cotchin, people are saying he should get a week for this. He's looked after by the AFL. There's different rules for him. There's different rules for Richmond. I'm like, geez, guys and girls these days are just completely soft when it comes to football. I mean, there's not... Yeah, it could have been a 50-metre penalty. Strangely, no umpire paid it as a 50-metre penalty. And also, only one St Kilda player came in to remonstrate with Cochin after it. That was their captain, Jaron Geary. And he was then confronted by four Richmond players. Did he bite anyone? No, he backed down pretty quick. Mm. Because... That, that, because it was five well, against one. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but that's a good way of gauging whether players think it's a serious infringement or not. If they're insulted and all go in. Well, if if they believe that someone has deliberately injured one of their players, they usually come in from all angles. Now, I don't know whether this is indicative of St Kilda at the moment, where they don't have that grunt about them or not, but only one player ran in to remonstrate, and it was diffused in a matter of seconds. Is Cochin a bit of a sweetheart, though? No, he's he's actually really hard at the ball. And he does do he a lot of... He the dressing room, though. Yeah, but that's off the field. On the field, he gets a bit of white line fever. So he doesn't mind throwing his body in. A couple of years ago, when Richmond broke through and won their first flag in 37 years, I think, in the preliminary final, a bloke named Dylan Shield, who was playing for GWS at the time, went to pick the ball up and... Cochin came cannoning into him from the side, absolutely smashed him. I thought it was pretty fair. I thought it was play on. Uh, the umpire of the AFL agreed. Uh, Shield got up holding his shoulder, so obviously hurt his shoulder, but was then, was then ruled out with concussion as well. So, there's a bit of a history there where people think that Trent Cochin gets away with murder. Well, he didn't murder him, but, <laughs> you know, it was intentional bodily harm. So, looking at that, People very upset about Cochin. I'm like, well, no, it was probably right that he didn't get sanctioned with anything. It was just basically a careless throw to the ground. 
Now, people will come back and say, well, if that was your son copying that, you'd be having a different opinion. Or if that was your daughter, yeah, probably. But it's not. So <laughs> so I'm all right at the moment saying, um, yeah, Cochin probably should have had 50 metres paid against him. It wasn't paid. None of the umpires saw it or bothered to you know, penalise him for it. People talk about, you know, the, the way... I want to talk about the way people turn on teams. So we've seen that this weekend. All of a sudden, Richmond's gone from this great success story of a few years ago to, you guys have been up for a while. We're getting a bit sick of you. I don't like you anymore. And it happened to Hawthorne through 13, 2013 to 15. All of a sudden, people were down on guys like Luke Hodge and calling for him to be suspended. Someone on our Facebook page was saying, no, no, Hodge played it tough and he did this. And he, did. he actually tried to kill Chad Wingard at one point when he played for Port Adelaide. I mean... By Lots of people would. jamming his head in between his hip and the goalpost. People forget about that sort of stuff. And when they look with retrospect, they go, oh, no, that was a great era. And no, none of the Hawks did anything like that. If you go back further, the Brisbane Lions in the early 2000s, they were physical. Sometimes they stepped over the line. At one point, Nick Revolt injured his shoulder during a game. And the Scott brothers and Chris Johnson and Mel Michael came from everywhere and were whacking him in the shoulder. Nick Rewalt went off the ground and cried. <laughs> I think he was crying more about the situation than, you know, being beaten up by the Lions. But that, that sort of thing, their legacies aren't tarnished at all. I don't understand, you know, the whole, oh, well, Cochin and Lynch are the worst guys in the world. They're not. They're just playing the game really, really hard. And they're walking a fine line between what's acceptable and what's not. People then criticise Damien Hardwick for defending his players. I mean, what else is he supposed to do? Just throw him under the bus and go, yeah, look, that, that Lynch, he's a real dirty prick. I don't even know why he's in our team. This is exactly the reason he's in the team, to provide that sort of mongrel out on the field. When they recruited him, there were a dozen other clubs that would have loved to have him in their colours. But because he went to Richmond, all of a sudden he's a bad bloke. Um, I'm not sure about this at all. So the Saints... We'll talk about the Saints for a minute. Robbed. Absolutely robbed, apparently. Yep. Brett Ratton is their coach, as you know. Yep. Yeah, you knew that, didn't you? I did, actually. Great work. So he played their captain, Jaron Geary, on a bloke named Nick Vlustin. 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 You always have trouble with this. It's like you say his name and then remember it's pronounced differently just and then just panic in between. There's just an echo in here, that's all. <laughs> and it pronounces it differently every time. So they start. he started... Geary on Flosten. No echo. Great job. Thank you. And it was probably the wrong matchup. So Flosten is is really good in the air. He reads the ball fantastic. You know, he's he wasn't the right guy for Geary to go to. By the end of the first quarter, they'd switched Geary back to defense. So that was a failed experiment. Meanwhile, Basher Hawley was basically having his way, doing whatever he wanted in defense, wasn't really playing on anyone. He was the perfect matchup for Geary, and I reckon the Saints missed the mark on that. He ends up with 32 touches, led the led the whole game. And if he had your time over again, if you were Brett Ratton, I reckon you would have started Geary on Hawley. The Saints handballs, missing the mark, constantly. Handball into their knees. If someone's running past, they're handballing at half a metre behind them, which would cause them to stop and prop to collect the ball, and then it just invites the Richmond pressure. The thing about Richmond is that they'll give you a chance to beat them. If your skills are good enough, and if you hit the mark consistently, you can find a way through their pressure. But the Saints were unable to do that. Yeah, handballing seems like a basic skill you're meant to learn. Accuracy and all that. Well, um, you know, if... if... Pressure pressure changes things, but these are professional athletes as well. And if they can't hit a four or five metre handball directly to their, their teammate, every time they have a double grab or a fumble, a Tiger player is on them. So it creates pressure. They transfer it to the next guy. Quick quick handball to you. Oh, it's at your feet. Two Tigers encroach on his space then. And it just builds the pressure and it just mounts and mounts and mounts. That's the way the Tigers play and they hurt you when they get it. So the, yeah, the Saints really fell down with that. They overhandballed and they sold their teammates into trouble continually. Now the impact of Lynch on this game when he wasn't placing his knee on Dougal Howard's chest. His 
contested marks. He took one going back with the flight, which was a one-hander. He laid two huge tackles inside 50, which, you know, a guy his size, usually players will dance around him, like they use their their, their better agility to maneuver around. Not, not against Lynch. He was really, really good. The only thing he didn't do, he kicked two goals five for the game. If he kicks straight, people are talking about him as best on ground by a long, long stretch. I still think he was. Other people think Dusty Martin was better. So the Saints are out. Wait, 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 wait. What, You're what, saying what? Lynch and Dusty were the two best on ground. There was a fair few. Shane Edwards. Why, who do you think was? Well, I didn't watch the game. Oh, but right. obviously it was a St Kilda player. <laughs> Jack Steele was pretty good for them. Nick Caulfield was pretty good as well. He was such a one-eyed flog. Yeah, I'm a no-eyed <laughs> flog in this game. I wasn't really following either of them. <laughs> so the Saints axe five players from the list today. Oh. Bundled out of the finals last night. Five players gone today. The real concerning point is two of them are named Jack. That brings their total of Jacks down to only five. Oh my God. How are uh, they going to. Oh, that's okay. They've got some recruiting to do, obviously. Yeah, well, so. It is part of their recruiting strategy to recruit yeah. Jacks. So I'm hopeful that they can bolster that number back up to seven. The last thing we want to touch on was the score review. Score review? Not working at all. So there was an instance where I think it was Sinclair had a shot for goal for St. Kilda. And it appeared on first glance as though Nick Vlosten, for God's sake, <laughs> jumped up and tried to punch it in the goal square. He's by himself and he looks like he missed it, right? The ball then bounced and it looked like it clearly bounced over the line to me. The umpire's first call was that it was a behind. And they wanted to check it on the replay. So they're checking for the touched and it wasn't there. You couldn't really tell if he, if he got his hand to it. But then it also looked as though the ball cleared the line as well. And the umpire, the guy in the in the score review thing, didn't make a decision on it. He basically threw it back and said, oh, there's insufficient evidence, and threw it back to the, to the umpire, who was obviously completely confused anyway when he made the call. So what you end up with is a video review that just doesn't work, and yeah. an umpire who's made a guess and thrown it to someone else to take responsibility, and they've thrown it back to him. Huh. Look, it didn't didn't cost them the game. Uh, they were t- no, 30 points down when it happened. They could have made a comeback. No, they couldn't. Not Come- the way they were playing. <laughs> you really want to argue the Saints case here? I suppose the bottom line is they were beaten by a better team. So if they're beaten by a better team, if they were robbed, if they didn't kick robbed. straight, if they... Yeah, if it was a close game and that was the deciding factor, you would call them out on it and say, well, had it been a goal... Sabotage. Yeah, all right. <laughs> but, but they were beaten by a better team on this occasion. Now, they'll be better for it. They'll go away, lick their wounds, maybe some other parts of their body. Who knows what they do in the privacy of their own home. And, um, yeah, they'll be back next year. If they get a bit of a lift out of a couple of players, uh, you know, they take into account the COVID stuff and no one has sex, unprotected sex in... January, February, they might get a clean run at it. So yeah, a lot of a lot of Saints fans were really pissed off because Ben Long was sitting in the grandstands watching for the high hit on um, Jack McRae the week before. He appealed and appealed again and got knocked back and got a week for it. So he sat in the grandstand and watched and they were just so furious that Lynch and Cochin can get away with whatever they got away with. With no suspension. Wait, so he got suspended. Was it, like, in your opinion, fair? I like the physical side of the game. And I actually think that Ben Long tried consistent? to turn his body. No, it's completely different incidents. It, you can't with, compare them. But was it consistent with decisions that have been made all through the season? Oh, God. That's a loaded question. Um, it's consistent with the decisions that have been handed down to Ben Long during the se- during the oh. season. So he got three weeks earlier in the season for a bump to Conspiracy. someone's head. This one, to me, it looked like he he realised he was going to make head-high contact and tried to turn away from it at the last second. Kind of got him with the back of his shoulder, in the chin. McRae got up and played out the rest of the game. So I'm not sure he should have got a week for it, but he did. And yeah, it was a big loss for them. So ha- I haven't mentioned our friend Radley. We haven't heard from him. Radley, big St Kilda supporter, has been wooing you to the side of St Kilda all year. Successfully, I might add. Yep. And he was going to send us a player um, profile this week. He's just been shattered. You can't expect too much. Like um, he's, I'm he's hoping devastated. Radley 
isn't sitting in the dark room just rocking back and forward. Well, he might be. Talking about Lynch, talking about Cochin, getting upset. Sounds pretty peaceful, actually. Falling asleep, because that's what I do in a dark room. <laughs> Seems logical. But, Radley, we're, we're happy to have you on board if you want to send us a, an in-depth profile piece. on. You can start with a St Kilda player. That's your, that's your wheelhouse. Mrs Mungrel will do a bit of research on whoever you nominate as well. And if she can't find anything, she'll just make it up. I will. In fact, I won't do the research. I'll just, just make it up. Uh, jazz it up a bit. You said jazz it up? <laughs> Who it's... knows what I'll do. Oh, not me. <laughs> now we'll jump over to the cats and the pies. There were a lot of people who looked at this game and thought, wow, you know, Collingwood really stood up last week against West Coast, battled their hearts out. They gave them a real fighting chance in this one. By half time, this game was well and truly over. By by quarter time, you could ar- you could argue it was over. But Geelong just looked such a cut above Collingwood in this one. It was brutal at one stage. Collingwood looked like they couldn't get a touch. They looked like they looked like they were leg weary. So you know how you kind of uh, stagger up the stairs when you come home from the gym. Never. Every time. Every time. <laughs> right. You kind of stagger, you kind of lean against one wall, then the other. There's marks on the wall from where you do it. I'm not, not sure. Slump against it, yeah. 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 You kind of drag yourself up. That's how Collingwood played almost the entire game. They were unable to shut down anybody. They were second to the football over and over again. You know, this is two professional teams out there. Geelong had 358 possessions. Collingwood had 200. Mm. That's That's ridiculous kind of numbers there. They had a 34 to 21 clearance advantage despite losing the hitouts 19 to 37. So Brody Grundy was going up, getting the tap, and the Geelong players were just saying thank you and taking the ball and running away with it. I have no idea what happened to Collingwood. They just looked completely spent. They had Geelong had Dangerfield up forward, and he had uh, Braden Maynard on him, which I thought perfect matchup, those two. Look fantastic. Well, what it did is it released the heat early on Gary Ablett. So Maynard, last year's finals, went to Ablett and he really got a hold of him. And this year, they put Dangerfield up forward. Maynard's thought, oh shit, there's someone I've got to go and cover. And Ablett started on the bench. So I think Ablett had two goal assists in the first quarter. Was really quiet for the majority of the game. But when you get your team that sort of start, you don't need to be dominant for the whole game. The game was over at halftime. I would not have been surprised if they just rested Ablett you know, in the second half at all. Mitch Duncan did as he pleased. He started with a tag on him. bloke named Levi Greenwood, who shut down Tim Kelly last week against West Coast, went to Mitch Duncan at the start of the game, had no effect. I think Duncan had, I'm guessing here, I don't have the stats in front of me, but high 20s in terms of possessions. Levi Greenwood had four for the game. So they played him as a stopper. The only person he stopped was basically himself. That's sad. So couldn't get near it. Just running up and down the one spot. I reckon do a lot of... Do they know, like midway through the game, that they're... Oh, they were even... shot. But they, do they, they know, shot. like... They had one scoring shot in the first half. Remember we looked at that? You came out of the, yeah, no into the room. It. You went, oh my God, this is a slaughter. But like when you're playing against someone and they're just destroying you, do you... Yeah. Do you yes. psychologically just... Check out crumble a little bit a lot of people say they go into self-preservation mode so the running for teammates that you would usually do to help out stops so you're more thinking i've got to stop my man and just stop the bleeding here and i don't even know if collingwood got the chance to do that they were just completely swamped a couple of uh, one guy stood up from i think jamie elliott was pretty good but for the most part they were beaten to a man across the, the the whole park it was quite ridiculous even pendlebury and we're big fans of Scott Pendlebury. We are. We are. What's his name? Pendleton. Lord, Lord Pendleton. Pendleton. Yes, you like him. Uh, usually gets plenty of the football. And I think he had something like you know 14 touches. I'm just guessing at that as well. Not, not too much. But usually he can find the ball at stoppages. So they go up with the ruck tap. Pendlebury reads the ball well and clears it out. He had zero of them. He had a guy named Brandon Parfit, who looks like Merman from Masters oh. of the Universe. Ooh. Yeah, one of my favourites. I'll get you, he man. So he, so he had. Wait, a, is that the is that the guy with the hair that looks a bit wild and? No, it's Beast Man. No, the. Oh, <laughs> the oh no, you're thinking of Guthrie. He looks like a Neanderthal. Oh, he looks like a mad, mad fella. Okay, yeah, keep going. 
So anyway, they had Parfit sitting on him at a lot of the stoppages. And Parfit just did the job on him. He, had, he led, the, led the game in tackles with nine. Pendlebury just didn't have that that pizzazz that he normally has where he kind of steps out of trouble and, you know, buys himself time and then dishes off. Just didn't have it and couldn't find the ball either. They've got a bloke playing for him, Geelong, named Lockie Henderson. So he was delisted last year by the Cats. They got rid of him. And they picked him up again at pick 35 in the rookie draft. Because he's an older bloke. And they bought him in as, as insurance. Right? So if someone gets hurt, he comes in and fills the void in the back line. That's well, his whole job. Why drop him and then pick him up again? Because they didn't think anyone else would pick him up. And they were right. Hmm. So if I was to list Geelong's best players over the first two weeks of finals, he would be in the top three. Given his performance last week and the performance this week, I would go so far to say that over the two weeks, he may be the best performed defender in the entire finals to this point. Not bad for someone who was kicked off the list and then almost thrown a bone. All right, you can come back. Was that to get him on a lesser contract? He wouldn't be on a heap of money, as it is. But he's playing AFL football and he's playing really well. Um, Gary Rowan? The guy with the lovely flowing red locks. So there were people... I think someone rated him today as playing at about a 5 or a 6 out of 10. And I'm like, I don't think they were watching the same game as I did. Because his job was to play on Darcy Moore and to keep him accountable. Now, Darcy Moore is the All-Australian centre-half back. He's a quality unit and one of the best defenders in the league. I thought Gary Rowan beat him hands down. Rowan was really, really good in the air. He's got that little burst of speed that on the last two or three steps, he can actually put a bit of distance between him and his opponent, and then he can elevate. And a lot of people can't do that. Like, they were running flat out. They find it really hard to then get elevation when they jump, but Rowan does it so easily. And he was outmarking Darcy Moore and not losing his feet, which was really important in the contests. I wonder how far we're away from a bit of a changing in the guard at Collingwood. And this is almost across the board. They had a review a couple of years ago and, you know, Eddie commissioned a review because, you know, he was really concerned about how things were going. I think it was just after 2017. Then they made the grand final that year. So the heat comes off. But it's now been a couple of years. Collingwood bundled out again. Pendlebury's been captain since 2014. It's probably time that he passes it on now. Like, still a wonderful player. Absolutely wonderful player. No knock on him at all in that department. But you'd be wanting to give someone else a chance to grow into a leadership role with him still around. So you're not supplanting him as he leaves. It's more a bit of a passing of the torch. Buckley's been coached since 2012. There's no flags there, obviously. There's one grand, grand final appearance. But this is a step backwards this year. He's never won a grand final as a player? He won at Port Adelaide in the South Australian Football League. But in the AFL, he's never won one, no. Mm. And Eddie Maguire has been president since 1998. Yeah. That's a a pretty good innings. But he dug them out of a financial hole, didn't he? He dug them out of a massive, massive financial hole. And to his credit, he's done some fantastic things with that club. He's got them at the Lexus Centre in Olympic Park. like They're the best resourced club in the league. They've got prime location there as well. So in terms of that sort of stuff, I wonder whether... He's obviously a really passionate guy about his football club and loves it. I wonder whether it's almost time someone else has has a run at it. And you'd like it to be a bit of a passing of the torch as well. Not someone rising up and challenging and having almost like a coup. I don't think he'd give that up willingly. I don't think he would either, but... And honestly, why Why should he? He's obviously doing well for them, and... Well, how do you, how do you categorise doing well in football? If I was to say to you, them who are the best teams? opportunity financially, hasn't he? He's managed them. He's managed the club. They've taken a couple of hits on some investments I know of, like hotels and stuff, over the journey. But for the large, for, you know, for the majority, he's done an impeccable job there. There you go. And so you're on his side to stay? Yeah. 22 years is a long innings with no success, though. Oh, no, he did have success. 2010, they won. Wow, I'm glad you mentioned that because people would have just 
been like, what about this time when we won? Yeah. Well, and I would have been like, why would I know about any of that? Yeah, I would have just blamed this you. This is HB's fault. Yeah, but... 2010. Yeah. That's a while ago. Yeah, so it's been 10 years. I mean, they were were perilously close in 2018. They were kicking a bit away from winning the whole thing. Led the whole game, got a five-goal lead early on. But yeah, I I get the feeling that... I'm not sure how patient Collingwood fans are going to be. They've got... We're going to talk about a couple of players out of contract in a minute. Because we're going to jump to trades, trades, trades that I've got here. And um, there's a few to get through. Although, obviously, all hypothetical at the moment because no one can move but Carlton all of a sudden seemed to be a destination club in the AFL they're recruiting a couple of halfback flankers Adam Saad from Essendon and Zach Williams from GWS both are wanting to head to Carlton with Cade Simpson retiring you'd think that probably Saad usurps his spot and will will do really really well in that role for Carlton they're looking at midfield minutes for Zach Williams. Not sure how that one's going to play out. He didn't look like he was in the best shape of his life this year. And if he fronts up in a similar condition, I can't see him being a top-line midfielder next year. That said, if he, if he fronts up in great condition, we might be talking about what a fantastic acquisition he was. Now, they have to give up something for these guys. And now they're talking about the possibility of Carlton signing Jordan Dugowie. So Dugowie's out of contract at Collingwood, and Carlton are expressing interest, which it would because Dugowie is a, a massive coup if they can get him. But Dugowie comes with baggage. So there's a, a situation going on at the moment. I think it was described as a hiccup by uh, someone on an AFL broadcast during the year. I think there's, you know, some assault charges oh my God. that have been laid uh, and Dugowie has to answer to them so there's baggage that comes with him still he's going to be a very interesting pickup if someone can get it because if it's Carlton next year they've got to re-sign Patrick Cripps who's a res- restricted free agent next year and a young bloke named Harry McKay who I always cock up his name too because I don't know if it's McKay or Mackay but it's definitely one of them Harry you just call him Harry Big Harry yeah so you'd think that Cripps would need a... This would be his big payday at Carlton. But McKay's the sleeper. He's he's worth a bomb at the moment. A high-marking forward. Beautiful pair of hands. And if he's not given, I suppose, or, or doesn't get the offer that he probably deserves, there'd be a lot of teams lining up for him. One of our, uh, our incognito writers earlier in the year wrote a piece about the possibility of trading Patrick Cripps. Now, I wonder whether Carlton are having discussions about re-signing him now and getting a bit of a feel for how he feels, how he's going to go long-term at the club, whether he's going to be entertaining options, whether he's going to wait and see. Because if he takes that that kind of uh, stance, you'd start to be a bit worried if you're Carlton. Hang on a second now, our, our best player's going to wait and see how we go. It's not like an animal you can take to the vet. You know, you just, oh, we'll just wait and see how that goes. <laughs> um, no, you've got to sign him. So, yeah, I'm not sure how the Blues are going to fit all these guys in with that sort of money. But whoever's looking after their yeah, their salary cap, got their work cut out for them. If they can fit them all in and still have a productive list, very, very good job. Now, Moore and Maya Checker remained unsigned at Collingwood. Are you reading our notes? Wow, this is a first. <laughs> So Darcy Moore, as well as Jordan Dugowie and Brody Majacek are not signed at Collingwood at the moment. Moore, I believe, has expressed the desire to stay. From Nathan Buckley's press conference after the game, you get the feeling Dugowie might go. And that will basically allow them to re-sign Majacek. Because Majacek, they've been low-balling, apparently, and offering a little bit less than what he's worth. So he's been their most consistent marking forward for the last couple of years. And he's very workmanlike. So they're not really... He's not a superstar. He's not a game changer. But he can bob up and do some really nice things. If they don't offer him good money, he will get it somewhere else. Not much being said about a bloke named Charlie Constable at Geelong at the moment. Inside midfielder. You'd 
and the reason is because Geelong are, you know, eyeballs deep in the final series. So no one's saying a word at the moment about anything at that club. But he hasn't, he's barely played this year. He's exactly the kind of player that Essendon need. So if I were the Bombers, I'd be definitely making some inquiries at Cardinia Park about Constable's availability. You throw in Will Brody from the Gold Coast because he's another one who wins his own footy. And another bloke who I kind of put it out there in an article last week around Carlton is uh, Mr. Thighs himself, Ollie Wines. Wines. Now, not much is being said about Wines at all because Port Adelaide are up to their eyeballs in finals as well. But last year there were rumours or people actually came out and stated that he was trying to get to Carlton. And uh, that was obviously thwarted. But GS and then would be really, really well served by asking the question of Port Adelaide if he was thinking of leaving. leaving. That, um, yeah, I'd be asking. He's exactly what they need as well. Tom McDonald looks like he's being dangled as trade bait from Melbourne. Had a great season a couple of years ago. Done bugger all since. Joe Danaher has nominated Brisbane. I'm not sure how that makes people on the current team who are in the finals feel. A bloke like Daniel McStay is coming off three touches in week one of the finals. And he's going into a prelim final, desperate to make a point. Now he's got the, the specter of Joe Danaher looming over that club going into you know 2021 as well. A lot of pressure on him, so you'd be feeling pretty shit. You would have preferred that Joe Danaher just hang on a couple of weeks before he declares where he wants to go, I suppose. Um, I'd be asking questions around Braden Fiorini's availability at the Gold Coast as well, uh, in and out of the side all year. To be honest, looked like he wasn't all that interested at points. Uh, might want to get out of Gold Coast, that's fine. Rumours continue to circulate around Nathan Broad, but you know he's up, he's in the finals as well, so not really saying much, but People have basically been stating that he's going to go to Gold Coast after this season. People don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, people t- do talk a lot. I-, I say a lot of stuff that probably isn't true. Jackson Hately, very gettable from GWS. He's feeling the squeeze in the midfield. Crows should be absolutely all over him. He's shown plenty and will be exactly what they need as they rebuild. Where does Brad Crouch go from, from Adelaide? You know, he's uh, just been caught with another bloke with an illicit substance and has been suspended for two weeks next year. The other bloke, Tyson Stengel, you have to wonder what the hell he's doing. He got caught drink driving at the start of this season after being shipped over there last year from Richmond. Didn't really get a game last year that, oh, not many anyway. And then this year started to show a little bit. So then he got he got charged with drink driving before the season, and now the season's ended, he's been caught with an illicit substance, and he's missing the first four games of next year as well. I'm like... Who would mate, touch him with a barge pole? Well, he's contracted to Adelaide. So I don't know what he's doing, but whatever he's doing, it's something stupid. North Melbourne look an absolute mess. And it's just a sad state of affairs there. Sean Higgins, probably their best player for the last three years, exploring other options now. He's in his 30s though. So if they're looking at rebuilding, he's not going to be around when they start to get good. The other one whose name's coming up more and more in the last couple of days is Robbie Tarrant, another one who's in his 30s and will probably be better served elsewhere looking for success, but at least they're going to have Sean Attlee on the list and any North Melbourne supporter that's listening will know that that's completely tongue-in-cheek. He's going to be the worst 250-game player in the history of the game. Oh. I have no idea how he's in that team still. Oh, just flies under the radar all the time, never really does anything of consequence and has already played 200 games. On to the Bombers. Now, Mrs. Mungrel, you're not a fan of the Bombers? No. There's something about them you just don't like. Oh, it's the house prices in Essendon. We know this. But they don't, they're not even based there anymore. They're based in Tullamarine. Is it the, the noise from the planes? called Essendon. Okay, fine. <laughs> now, Essendon are losing Joe Danaher. It looks as though Arazio Fantasia is out the door as well. That's no great loss. I'm not a fan of his. Yeah, you're not keen on nah, he he's been playing like he doesn't want to be there for a couple of years now. Adam Saad, out the out the door as well. Connor, Connor McKenna, McKenna went home. Went home, ran home as well. Now they there was a letter published on I think it was Instagram or something of a guy who was a thirty year trainer at that club. 
and the guy was talking about culture and he was talking about how business people have come in to run the club and what they've done is get rid of a lot of people who had been there for 30 years and helped build the family kind of atmosphere, the inclusive kind of atmosphere, the, I suppose, the closeness of a football club, right? So the fabric. It's the, the kind of guys who come in and work for nothing. And so in, the, in this letter, and it's kind of an open letter, he's basically saying that what they've done is they've created a culture there where people can't speak up. So these people who have been there for X amount of years have to toe the line. They can't express their ideas. Otherwise, they're just booted out and replaced by someone new. And he's basically saying, I love the club. I'd give everything for it, but I just have no belief in it anymore. And if that's what the people around the club are feeling, and you're looking at all these players saying, I want out, I want out, you have to wonder what's happening with the playing group as well. So a little bit of a... You know, that's very sad, actually, isn't it? Yeah, I tell you what. There was a, there was a guy who was friends with my dad. He had a nickname. I can't remember it, but he was a trainer at North Melbourne, and he was there for, I reckon, forty years. And they used to have him in the middle of their song. They used to get in the middle. He used to lead their song after the game, and he was there till he basically till he died. So he was part of the fabric of the club. So if they're getting rid of those sort of characters yeah. at Essendon and replacing them with just someone new because this person won't rock the boat or this person isn't outspoken. Sometimes it's those outspoken people and the people who have a bit of character that create what's special about a club. And it sounds by the, by, by this letter anyway, by this post, by this guy, that's been eroded. And, you know, if you're an Essendon supporter, you'd probably be a little bit sad about that. That's the difference between places where you'd work for them or do stuff for them for free. And places where you're like, huh, nah, yeah, give my money, me. chump. Yeah, I'm out. I'm not yep. that interested. Yeah, it's and you know I'll, I might actually uh, put it up on your site and people can have a look at it. But it's kind of one of those ones where you you read it and you're like, oh, geez, this bloke obviously feels and you know he bleeds the club, and now he's no longer part of it. So all of a sudden, this huge part of his life has been taken away from him, and he's feeling it, and he sees what the club's becoming, and it's it's not pretty to him anyway. Back to some trades. Frio, are they moving Hogan? I don't know. He's got another year to run on his contract. And, uh, yeah, he started showing a little bit towards the end of the year. The big question for them is that, you know, can they re-sign Adam Chera and Andrew Brayshaw both out of contract after next season? So you'd be thinking that there'd be some, some renegotiations happening really soon and some contract extensions, pretty attractive ones put in front of those two guys. The big fish... Jeremy Cameron, the man you think looks like a... Oh, like a cleaning product like superhero. A, he looks fantastic, doesn't he? He could put Mr. Muscle to shame, that yeah. guy. So, he has not re-signed with the Giants. Oh. He's been linked to Geelong forever, basically. And basically everybody who's mentioned these days is linked to Geelong at some point. But the longer this goes the more weight it kind of carries. You're like, oh, geez, Jeremy Cameron still hasn't signed, still hasn't signed, still hasn't signed. Apparently, he's a bloke who just likes to go fishing and bugger off out of the the city. So I think maybe Geelong would be a pretty nice spot for him. I know nothing about Geelong. No, that's why there's a bypass there now. You can drive straight past (laughs) it. You don't have to go. (laughs) I know where it is, but that's that's about it. It's just sort of... It's on, it's on the way it's to somewhere way. else. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's on the way to the, to the peninsula, so yeah. Yeah, down the coast, so you can bugger off down there. Um, so, yeah, if they can get their hands on Jeremy Cameron, it's a fantastic transition from Hawkins to Cameron, and uh, they prop themselves up for, for quite a while. Massive prelim finals coming up this week, Mrs. Mungrel. Oh, yeah. How big are they? Massive. Massive. You sound like you're right up for it. <laughs> I actually am. Tigers and Port Adelaide is a mouth-watering contest. This is a, a game, round 11, which was probably the game of the season up to that point. So you had, from memory, there was a couple of really iffy umpiring decisions in this one, which kind of swung at the Tigers' way. But Port rallied last quarter. Uh, pretty sure they held Richmond goalless and ran over the top of them. They got a big-bodied midfield. They got Boak and Rockliffe and wines all in that can match it with the guys like Martin Cotchen. Really, really fantastic matchup in the middle. 
The Tigers were missing a few last time they met. I think Cochran wasn't in there. Hooley perhaps wasn't playing as well. Uh, Edwards wasn't playing. You got Dixon at one end and Lynch at the other. Looking forward to this same venue as last time. Not quite the same teams. Who are you thinking, Mrs. Mungrel? What's what's your heart saying? Port, what's your head say? Port, Charlie Dixon. You that, know. That's your heart. Yeah. What's your head say? My head said, uh, "What will I do during those two hours? I might read a book." Or <laughs> you come in at the end and go, "Who who won the game? Who won the what, football? What happened?" <laughs> and then you can complain about it if if Richmond win. How's that? How about that? Oh, look! If they do nice things. Nice things. I can guarantee you these teams things. won't be doing nice things. Well, if they do impressive things, that works too. Like if someone just sort of legally barrels into someone else and sends them flying, that's now, all right. Now, how this is reported will depend on which team does the barreling, you see. Yeah. Yeah, but we've been through that this week already. Cats and Lions is your other one. So it's played up in Brisbane. Yeah. The Lions. I'm going I, the Lions. I really love that these two teams are playing off of the grand final because, look... I think my my heart says Port Adelaide to win the other game. My head says Richmond. So I think they're gonna whoever wins this game will be playing Richmond in the grand final. Not a slide on on Port Adelaide at all. I actually would really love to see them in the grand final. They've been the you know, number one rated team all year. I just think this time of year that Richmond you know hits their straps. No, Victoria needs a Port Brisbane grand final. We need it. The That's country ridiculous. needs it. Well, why would Victoria need a Port and Brisbane grand final? Because it doesn't matter if we have a Richmond Geelong. <laughs> if we matter. have, if well, it doesn't matter who wins, if we have a Richmond Geelong final, idiots will be out in force in Victoria, and then we won't be able to live locked down Look, for the next century. In the area that we live, idiots are out in force, irrespective of what happens in the world. You know, it'll be worse. A woman at work actually pointed this out. She said, "Well, if it's a, if it's interstate teams." It'll be much better for Victoria than if it's uh, Victorian teams. All right, so you're barracking for Port Adelaide versus Brisbane. Yes. All right. Back to the the Cats and Lions. <laughs> um, should be a, a belter. Well, I don't think this will be the, a game on the same level as Port and Richmond. I just get that feeling that this will be a game that gets blown open one way or the other. And the Cats had a walk in the park this week against the Pies. They parked the bus in the in the third quarter and basically sat on a lead, and that's all they had to do. So they were kind of conserving strength. Probably not the best hit out going into a, a game against the Lions, who are going to be absolutely pumped. They're going to be playing in front of a home crowd. It's got the makings. It's it's all set up here for Brisbane to win. It feels like it's set up this for this to be a Brisbane year. But the Cats had Dangerfield playing an amazing brand of football this week. You got Gary Ablett looking for one last shot at Glory. Fantastic defense. They've got Hawkins. Oh, if things go the Cats' way, they can get a hold of. They can get a hold of Brisbane. Lions will need their tools to take some marks. I'm looking at Eric Hipwood again. I think it was, you know, two podcasts ago we were talking about how he needs to stand up and how he needs to really make his presence felt. In the first week of the finals, lo and behold, out he comes, attacks the contest like his life depends on it. Really, really played well. I didn't have the stats to back it up, really, but I thought he was fantastic. You kind of need him to do it again. Ask him a lot. One game's not enough. You've got to be able to perform in consecutive finals. And Hipwood, you know, he's a big, lanky-looking bugger. Got a good leap on him, good hands. If he can clunk a couple of marks early, it puts that Geelong defense under enormous pressure. And, yeah, maybe you can crack him. You'd like to see that? Yes. Is he cracking on? He's cracking on everyone. He's got those high cheekbones. <laughs> the ladies all swoon. Some of the dudes as well, you know. Everyone's swooning for the He's a pretty attractive would. young fella. He's not on my list. No, he's not. Well, he looks too boyish for you. Yeah. He's a bit of a, a bit of a young buck. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he's got any facial hair at all, whether he's capable of growing it. Mm. Probably not. He looks like an elf. He does look... He looks very... Yeah. Yeah, he could play... He could get get rid of um, Orlando Bloom and chuck him in the next Lord of the Rings. He could play a really tall elf. <laughs> don't give him a love scene. No, he's not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, don't chuck him in, in with a... Uh, what's her name? Toriel. Oh, God. No, Just ab- don't even talk about that. He'd absolutely shit himself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yep. So, Mrs. Mungrel, your tip for the grand final? The two teams it's is? It's Port and Brisbane. I think we're heading for Richmond, Brisbane. Ooh. Okay. Richmond, Brisbane. But it would not surprise me if it's Richmond against the other team who I forgot. Geelong? <laughs> Geelong. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Port. Um, I, I really like what you've done. I hope you do get there. I really do. I just I can't go past Richmond at the moment. I think that they're, they're, they're strong at the right time of the year. And on that sad note for some and happy for others, we might leave it there this week. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to keep you up so late tonight. You you look like you're ready to go to sleep. Yeah, I'll have to edit this and take out the parts where our daughter's crying and then... Look, I didn't even hit her that hard. I really didn't. <laughs> you're dreadful. <laughs> no, then, we're uh... all good here. We don't do that sort of stuff at all, for the record. I beat the living crap out of you. <laughs> look at that. That's on record, guys. That's on record. I'm going to go and hide in the corner. Yeah, get over there, you fragile soul. All right. What'd you call me? Fragile soul. Oh, delicate. Call me Fred, you delicate asshole. little. Who's <laughs> Fred? I don't know. I was thinking, hang on. <laughs> Is there something I don't know about here? It's all coming out now. Yeah. All right, guys, we're going to leave it there. We'll catch you next week. Cheers. Bye.